0: Podcast Vodka. 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 o'clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber here. I'm just giving you like a little introduction before the show actually begins. Um, I recorded with Josh Neff, and uh, he's a friend of mine from Twitter. And our episode went so long, it was about two hours. So I decided that since we had some really distinct Things that we discussed that it was just as easy to break the show up into parts. So, part one we were discussing our time with Nano National Novel Writing Month, and uh, a lot of good uh, ideas. If you uh, have participated, or, or if you were hesitant to participate, ways that we both stayed motivated. We had completely different writing styles, so you get to hear, uh, you know, two really opposite ends of the spectrum of how we do our writing processes and then um the second part i uh, asked josh what some of his favorite holiday things are and some of the things that he's been up to and we talked a lot about the social justice and civil rights things that are going on in the world because uh, josh got to participate in one of the protests that um, have been going on since ferguson the ferguson uh, grand jury case so um Like I said, there's some really distinctive different pieces and uh, the NaNoWriMo part fit just about in an hour. So I I think that talking all about writing in an hour is a a beautiful episode all on its own and everything else talking about holidays and uh, civil rights and even porn and racism in porn, um, all of that stuff is going to be in part two. So be sure to keep listening um, or there you go. Now you you know what part two is about if you want to um, perhaps not listen to those subjects. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Vodka O'Clock. I'm your host, Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com. It's been a few weeks um, because I took November off and we're going to talk about why. So, uh, joining me today is Josh Neff, and he's my friend from Twitter. He's also a librarian, quite literate, and um, also a writer. So, we're going to talk about all sorts of literary things and things that he's been up to. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's actually very, very cool to be on here. Um, so, yeah, so we hooked up on the Twitter, which is kind of what I say for almost all of my guests. <laughs> Twitter brings people into my
1: life. It, it really does. It brings people together. It's very cool.
0: We are now in the second week of December, and uh, the the show was a, on a, a short hiatus basically for the month of November, um, because I decided at the last minute to uh, just jump in to NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, and I had never done it before, and I wasn't quite sure even what it was or how you do it, so... Um, Since you were a little bit familiar with it, too, I figured, hey, now that we've survived November, (laughs) I should recruit somebody to talk about this.
1: That sounds good.
0: So, uh, had you ever done Nano before? Yeah,
1: yeah. um, I actually, it's kind of funny, um, I sort of heard about it and vaguely knew kind of what it was, um, but when I was living in Milwaukee for grad school uh, and working at a Borders Books there back when it was still open, uh, at one point around the holiday season, I just sort of glanced down at a bunch of books that needed to be shelved and saw this little book called No Plot, No Problem. And I thought, well, plot's the part I always have the hardest time with when I'm writing. I should look at this. So I started glancing through it and saw that it was about – Rymo and and um, that it was sort of I started to glance through it and said, "Oh, I have to buy this. So I bought it and took it home and like jammed through it and was so excited by the idea of just jumping into writing a novel with very little to no prep and sort of abandoning all pretense of trying to be good and just trying to get it done. Um, because that had always been a stumbling block for me as I'd start writing something and immediately think, is this really representative of me? Is this the thing that I want? Is this the ultimate Josh story? And it would always, I'd stop. So I was so excited about doing it that I didn't want to wait until the next November. So in a fit of insanity, while I was in my last semester of grad school and working part time, in February I started doing it and that's actually the only time I've finished a novel was the first time I did it on my own that month. Um and it was an exhilarating experience like it was it was crazy. It was kind of like a weird like going on a bender um sure. but without the nausea and, <laughs> and the
0: blackouts and waking up and going, where am I? Um, and well, I would think that grad school would, ha- would have that effect on you anyway. It, so it, you sort it of grad was a very disorienting. Track.
1: Yeah, it was a very disorienting. Um, I mean, there was all sorts of, cause I was also, I think recently married. Um, and so there was all sorts of like all kinds of weirdness in my life at that time. And, and, uh, so I think it just kind of added to that. Um, and, and it was really great. And then since then I've done it a few times since, and I, I've, I've always started something, I had the best of intentions. And then for one reason or another, just like I got bored with the story and stopped or some sort of last year I started doing it. And then this life crisis hit and I just lost all will to continue. um, and the other weird thing about it was uh, I read the book and I really, really liked it and then was mentioning it to my brother and he said, well, you know that Chris Beatty, who started it, went to high school with us, right? I said, what? Wow. And so, so I I looked in my senior yearbook and there's little Chris Beatty as a freshman. Um, and we actually, I, I, I got him to come to Kansas City last year, my library did. A whole month-long series of Nanorimo events, and we got Chris to come um, and give a presentation about the past, present, and future of Nanorimo. And he even read from his current work, d- read the worst dialogue I have ever heard in my entire life, and it was so, it was like a further liberation, realizing like, wow, I could even write even crappier and get away with it. And that it's just so freeing to know that. You know, it, you don't even have to try to be good. You just have to try to do it. Uh,
0: right. And I think that's a big misconception. It was certainly mine years ago when I had first heard of it was I thought, oh, my gosh, what are these people doing writing a novel in a month? It's going to be garbage. It's going to be utter trash. And, you know, I I really didn't network with that many professional writers back then. It was all like my friends and I, right. who, you know, we rewrote re- fan fiction yeah, and stuff like that. So, um. I, you know, I know very talented people who, you know, who write as a hobby or write fan fiction and I, you know, I just didn't believe that something in four weeks was conceivable and that's not the idea as once I got into it and, um, you know, years later, you know, listen to some podcasts, Writing Excuses does some podcasts about it. Um and uh, you know, there's an official website where you go and you register that you're going to participate. So the the goal, if you've never looked it up, is to write fifty thousand words, which is shy of a novel. It's about two thirds of a of a real novel. And um but it's still a substantial size story. Right. And it's like about the size that. of
1: Catcher in the Rye, for better or for worse. Yes. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. about how so, you
1: feel about Catcher in the Rye?
0: It was I I um did a test of my pages and in one format um actually because i did write a diary i did write a nanowrimo diary on amberonmass.com. so if you go and look that up you can see my fall into madness is quite a descent um and i think somewhere in there i, I mentioned my my page test i exported it as a word document and exported it as a pdf and one of them was over 200 pages, and one of them was only like 106 pages or something, depending on the format, at 50,000 words. So, um, you know, what I think of as like, you know, a novel is like 200 words, 200 pages, I'm saying. So, um, I was also uh, in such a slump at the beginning, like a terrible, terrible slump mm-hmm. That I'm going through my diary. I'm looking at at it now and wondering, Jesus, when did I catch up? Because I most people have a plan. They spend October making their plan. If you if you're a planning kind of person, you said that you just did free writing. You just, I am you know, pretty you pretty much a pantser.
1: I am not a planner. You
0: know, so you did the fly by the seat of your pants. Yep. If you don't know, don't know the phrase. Um, Whereas I'm an outliner and I need details and I need character sheets and that kind of stuff, like a D and D campaign. Like I, I have to be thorough and I can, and I can add and adjust and do all sorts of, you know, additional work as I'm going like, Oh, I'm, I need to introduce you know, a bartender right now. Let me go make up a sheet for the bartender. You know, if he's going to come back that, you know, right. if he's going to be a, a regular character. So I was behind until like the 17th of November because you're, if you're going to do it and try to not wreck yourself, like if you're going to just try to keep a certain pace, it's around uh, 1,600 words a right. day. Well, I was struggling. Like my first days, I'm looking at my little graph, and my first days were like a couple hundred words. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, no, how am I ever going to, to do this? And I just expected to fail. And that was part of, part of why it was not stressful for me was that I had no expectations. Yeah. 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 I think
1: that's really one of the best ways. Like I, I, I'll see people online talk about, you know, oh, I've done all this prep or I'm working on this novel that I've had in mind for years, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, don't, don't go in with as much non-attachment as possible. Go in with as low expectations as possible um, remember that it's the first draft, so it really needs to suck as much as, you know, the point isn't to be good. The point is to get your story out. And right. And you that's, can be that's a key thing. And, and like you, like I, when I first started it, I didn't know any professional writers. I didn't know how I'm doing air quotes right now. Real writers wrote. And, uh-huh. and so I really like, I I just sort of assumed that whatever I was doing, I must be doing it wrong. And in fact, it was really only until just before, not too long before this November that I really came to the conclusion that, I mean, even still um, you and I are both Chuck Wendig fans. Right. And, and one of the, his writing advice is invaluable. Um, not to mention um so much fun to read, just for the swearing um and
0: exactly he'll he'll tell it like it is in a sea
1: of vulgar metaphors yes. and and but one of the things he'll talk about is writing every day, and I see all this you know Stephen King talks about it in on writing write every day, mm-hmm. and I've tried writing every day all like every day of the year, and I can never stick with it, and I just it makes me feel like an utter failure and then I, Erin uh, Morgenstern, author of The Night Circus, had recently redone her website and I was looking at it and noticed that she said at one point that um, she writes in spurts. She doesn't write every day. And so I sent her this long email asking her, you know, well, I, don't, I have trouble writing every day. And so, you know, how do you do it? And what do you do when you're not writing? And she gave me this long very great response where she talked about how um she she it was like all the stuff that i already do like she'll read a lot and she'll watch a lot of um movies and tv shows because she said she finds it easier to um dissect plot and story and sort of analyze story visually um and i'm like wow i marathon stuff on netflix all the time i must be a real writer and and uh I know she plays video games like she talked about in prep for her the second novel that she's been working at that she played the hell out of Bioshock. Um so and, and that and she told me about other writers that she's talked to who don't write every day, um, including Stephen King's son, not Joe Hill, but his other son, um doesn't write every day. And she felt really great when she talked to him and found that out. Um and that apparently Ann Patchett, she said um, would lay on the sofa for days just thinking of the novel in her head, and she had to have it all in place in her head before she even started writing one word. Um, so that
0: Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people say that as well. Yeah,
1: and, and so I realized that it sort of came to me. I, I said this to her, and she she said, yeah, you're exactly right, that the only way, the the wrong way to write is to either not stop, not start, or to not finish it. And everything else... As long as it works for you, it's totally legit.
0: Well, I really agree with uh, the idea of watching something like a TV show or a movie that's in the genre that you're you're writing in, because I was marathoning a lot of white-collar. Um, I, you know, Leverage, you know, I know is one of your favorite shows too. Oh, good Lord, yes. Um, but I watched a lot of white-collar during the, the month of – november and um and I moved from there on to numbers and the thing about TV shows is they have the this arc structure, they follow this formula, they rarely break from it, and you get your acts in a certain um pace because they need to be finished in forty two minutes right so uh you know my my friend andy Andy Parks or you yes. friend too. Um, he had asked me when I I would get, you know send him updates once in a while of how many words I did, and he's like, oh that's so great. Are you you know are you doing three arcs or five arc a uh, five acts? And I was like, oh I don't know. I just have it in an outline. Like I didn't have it broken down into acts, right. but I had an outline of these are the big things I need to make sure I get to, or I will derail, because I could very easily derail. And I know that's as a reader. That's one of the things that I hate. I love Harry Potter and the Harry Potter universe, but J.K. Rowling's books don't need to be a thousand pages. <laughs> yeah. um, so and, and I, I, think,
1: think, I think you're right in terms of um, just like if you don't read music, but you're a musician and you listen to a lot of music, you'll pick up song structure, even if you don't like consciously know about three act and five act s- stories. If you watch a lot of that, you pick up the pacing and you understand like you get a sense of when to come into a scene, when to leave a scene, what, like what scene should follow next, how to keep the plot moving, um, character arcs and character development. And so even if you don't formally know a lot of that stuff, I, I think it's – you can't help but start to pick it up um, and definitely – Watching a lot of TV and movies has really helped with my dialogue pacing. Um, and and I actually think that that's one of the things I'm good at now is writing dialogue. Um, and, in fact, sometimes I'll actually write it – like there were parts in, in for the first draft up where it's almost like a screenplay. Like I'm just doing dialogue back and forth. I'm having minimal description of what's going on um, oh, just I, I get like that too it's a good way for me to like, you know, you can, you can advance the plot and you can do a certain amount of, of, um, info dumps. Um, and especially if you keep the dialogue fast paid, you know, well paced and not crazily long, you know, as you know, Bob, um, but you're just giving enough info dumping that it keeps, it, it, lets people know what's going on without it being ponderous, and like you said, without dis- derailing it.
0: I think the parts that I, I focused on, I also focused on dialogue, and I focused on the bare essentials of the scenes instead of worrying about flowery language to describe, like, you know, when you walked into a room, what does the door look like? What do the windows look like? Are there curtains? Is there a rug? Instead of doing that, I just needed to get my characters moving. Mm-hmm. So in order for them to, it was like, okay, they, you know, she's in the living room, she's sitting down, the dog's next to her. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm going to leave all that other stuff for like, you know, round one of revisions to try. And I started to, as I got comfortable with my build, and I started to write about around 2,000 words a day, which was, you know, later in the month of November, then I felt more comfortable and my, I was building scenes better. And then I was able to do things like on the fly, think, okay, what does this room look like? Okay. They're entering this big greenhouse. What would a greenhouse look like? And that's not until I'm at 65,000 words. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm still writing. I'm not done. I'm my, my story is not done yet. So I'm
1: where my attention is and what I'm in the mood for. If I sat down at on a certain day, You know, I'd like take my laptop to a nearby coffee shop and and set it up and sit down and say, Okay, I have no idea what I'm gonna write. So I'm just gonna like start describing stuff. And I just go into these long descriptions of a scene of like I do scene setting. And I just do long descriptions of stuff until I got to where I thought, okay, now I'm getting a sense of the plot and the characters and what they're doing. And then it would suddenly there's no description whatsoever. It's le- it's just, let's get this plot moving. Boom, boom, boom. And I can fill in, you know, you can paint in the rest later, but let's just get this going. Let's get this show on the road. And, yeah, it very definitely, um, you know, if you, if you keep in mind, this is the first draft, it's going to suck. This is the first draft, it's going to suck. Right. I can always fix stuff and revision. It is so much more, li- it's so liberating and so much more freeing um, and I I think it really does help override that, that inner critic that is telling you,
0: you know, this sucks, this sucks, because then you can go, I know it does, so what? Right, and, uh, you know, that's one of the things that is criticized. Like I said, you know, I had these um, – I mean, I, I can't say elitist because I wasn't any kind of, like, best-selling published author or anything, but I, I had – this discrimination against Nano NaNoWriMo before I ever did it, thinking these people are turning out shitty stories. And once I decided to do it and I realized what it it really was that, hey, 50,000 words of info dump is okay if it gets you writing. Then when I saw people this year tweeting things that were really mocking Nano NaNoWriMo, I was like, huh, you know, I'm not going to engage this person because he's a professional writer. But I'm going to go and I'm going to speak my mind on my site and and explain why it's working for me. Right. And it didn't work for for everybody. I have a lot of friends who didn't make the 50,000, but they also have full time jobs that and, you know, they have other things going on. And I was doing this. I had a couple scripts that I had to get out, which were short scripts. I'm I'm not doing 22 page comics. I'm, I was doing like 8 to 12 page comics. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of those to get out and I had a costume to work on. So I had some other things going on and it was a little bit helpful because then I could change pace once in a while. Right. And I really needed to get my butt out of this chair because just my NaNoWriMo part, I was spending 5 to 6 hours a day in my chair.
1: Right.
0: And other people only have an hour a day. So I don't know how they can write so quickly. I certainly, I mean, you know, a lot of people can't. Right. Uh, I mean, I talk to people, they're like, I can't do 1,600 words in an hour. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find on the days that I was working a full day, I could probably do about five to 600 words before I ran out of steam. Um, and then on days that I didn't work, I mean, I can't do 1,600 in an hour, um, but definitely like between like nine and noon, I could crank out like 2,000 and some words and have the rest of the day to do stuff or come back and do some more writing later. And and I did find that um, as much as I love my job, there are many mornings when, and I'm a morning person, so I, I, I can get up early. Um, so am I. Um, although I'm a, I'm a lazy morning person, so I get up early. Yeah. But oh yeah. I, don't, I like
0: to move slow. I don't want like do to do
1: anything when I get up. I, yeah. And and uh, you know I love 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 my job, but there are days when my alarm goes off and I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do stuff. But on days off, when I knew I was going to be writing, I was super motivated to get up, get some clothes on, grab my laptop, head over to a coffee shop, sit my ass down, and start writing. And those days felt. Great, um, although I think also, and I was super impressed. Like I remember reading, like looking at your your tweets, and you know earlier in the month you talking about, oh my god, I'm so far behind. Oh my god, I'm so far behind. And then later in the month you're like, I cranked out all these words, and I'm like, you suck. And you're like, yeah, yeah but I don't have a full time job. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that's a good that's a. And a, another friend of mine, um, Ellie uh, DiGiulio also. Um, I mean she's now uh, – I mean she she self-publishes novels and she's got a whole series that she's self-publishing and, um, and so she like jammed on NaNoWriMo and she would put like every day – she had started a, a Facebook group for, for some people and every day she would post, OK, how's everybody doing? She's like, I did all these words and I'm like, I haven't even started writing yet. And she's like, I don't have a full-time job. Like I hate yeah. you.
0: I started following her probably because of seeing her interact with you. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, she was really inspiring. She is, she's, I mean,
1: there, there are some people that I follow on Twitter that even at the worst parts of their life, um, uh, Natalie, who's uh, Uberdort girly on
0: yeah. on Twitter is
1: another one that, I mean, she's freaking, she, she has cancer that she's been dealing with. She's a single mother of two girls. Um, She's been trying to get this new business off the ground, and no matter how bad a day she's getting, she is positive, so positive. and yeah. and spreads, like, cheer and sunshine without being sappy. Um, I think maybe it also has to do with swearing. Like, if you can be, like, super upbeat and positive and also, like, drop lots of F-bombs, it, it manages to, like, balance out and it's not so saccharine. And I just find her so inspiring. And Ellie's sort of like that too, that, you know, when she's wrestling with depression or whatever, she's really open about it, but she's also really positive about, you know, she'll say, I know this is temporary. I know this will pass. It sucks while I'm dealing with it. And it it just manages, you know, that, that they're very inspirational to me, Um at times when I'm also feeling really down um, (laughs) when my brain chemistry is messed up or there's life crises going on that are, are kicking my kicking my brain in the junk. Um, And so it helps to like, yeah, to follow those people and to, and I think Chuck's another one that um, I mean, he's just so fucking funny and um, darkly optimistic Right. Um, that that it is. It's very inspirational.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't really shit on anybody unless they're mean people. Like right. he, he he kind of has this high moral plateau where he is up in Chuckland, where it's he's never just going to shit on anybody unless they're a complete raging dick. Right. And right. Uh, you know, and, and that stuff he he calls out. like first of all, aside from his writing, his blog. Is like thousands of words a day. Yeah, like he's he is nonstop. I can't imagine how fast he works. And
1: how he does this with a toddler in the house blows my mind because right. toddlers are insane.
0: Yeah, they are. And well, now um, if anybody else is following Chuck Wendig on Twitter, you've seen that he now has is the owner of a brand new beautiful writing shed, which is something that I've actually looked up on Pinterest before because I think it's fascinating to get these little sheds. They're they're like the size of what used to be garden sheds for, you know, for your tools and stuff like that. Well, now they make them very nice and um, it's just like an extension of your house, but you have to, it's so for a writer, you're getting up, you're leaving your house to go to your job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I think that that would get somebody like away from their toddler or their insane dog maybe that needs attention and that way they can stay on their schedule. They can go, okay, I've been in, I've been in my shed for two hours. I've got to go, you know, check on the family and take a break for half an hour then I can come back. And I I think
1: being in my pajamas, I get more writing done if I get out of the house and go to a coffee shop. Um, If I'm at home, there are too many, it's too easy to just get into a Netflix marathon Um, or let my cat walk across the keyboard so often that I just give up on writing um, or the couch is calling for a nap. Um, But if I get dressed and get out of the house and go somewhere, and I think also it's because despite the fact that I'm shy and frequently have to wrestle with social anxiety, I am an extrovert. And so being in a public spot where there are people hanging out really energizes me and helps me like get into writing more.
0: See, I've tried that. I'm definitely better at home. Um, but I also, I don't have anything mobile right now that I could even use. Um, okay. but I, cause I've, I've thought about that. I, I just want a tablet so I can sit in bed. Like that's how, <laughs> that's, that's how much of not wanting to get up and leave anything is, is I'd like to just be in bed and write. And so I would get up and make my coffee and it's, the coffee the way that I like it, mm-hmm. and I know that I have soy milk here, and the cat is on my desk. I, I'm surrounded by my comfort things. You know, coffee and the cat and booze. Right. and <laughs> You know, and Netflix for when I'm done. That is my reward. Yeah. Um, one of the things I talked about, the last recording that I did was just me babbling on about my uh, NaNoWriMo and, and other things that I was up to. And one of the things that I did when I I wanted to write. I wanted to sit down and start, you know, getting back to my story. But my brain wasn't there yet. I wasn't, and this happens for me is I'm not quite in my scene yeah. yet. So I just need to start writing about goofy shit, and yep. that's when I will kind of like, this either happens at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, and I'll either start like posting a bunch of animated gifs describing my, which is pretty much how I can find an emotion anywhere. Yes. I mean, yes. I don't know what it's from, but there's Taylor Swift stabbing a cake. I'm like, this is me. Um, and, you know, posting pictures of how awful and exhausted I look with the no makeup and the my hair not washed and all that. And so I, as long as I'm doing something, it gets me going. And I, and I can do that in the comfort of my own house. Whereas if I have to get up and, like, put clothes on and, you know, go to a coffee shop and I, I'd be so nervous. Uh, that I just, I would be, I would time myself. I'd be like, okay, I can, I'd probably make it an hour maybe. And then I'd be like, okay, I need to be away from How people. long do
1: I have to stay here? Or yeah. How long do it, I have to stay? Oh, can I stay here all day? Because yeah. And I, I think just,
0: people can do that. They can bring a book and they can just go and they can, they can hang out and I can't do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's definitely something that I, I will, I mean, that's also, I get a lot more reading done. If I bring a book to a coffee shop, um, I have a big problem with falling asleep while I'm reading. Um, and if,
0: oh, yeah, I totally do. If I'm sitting that's, in like, public space, then... Oh, <laughs> yeah, I like to be in bed because right. I know I'm going to fall well, asleep. Well, actually,
1: that's how I fall asleep a lot of nights, besides taking pills to knock me out, is I'll read in bed and then wake up in the middle of the night with the bed, with the book somewhere attached to my body, um, and my glasses still on my face, if I'm mm-hmm. lucky. If I'm not laying on those as well, um, so yeah, that that. Uh, but I I think you're right that that it, it's it's very cool to reward yourself for writing with Netflix or even reading because that is part of being a writer is soaking in story,
0: right. So yeah, my reward list that I that I came up with when I was just brainstorming that I was it it included things like go buy yourself a new album or you know whatever or you know take the time for a podcast take the time for for Netflix you know it, so a lot of the stuff that I was listing was had some monetary value to it it was all pretty minimal like 20 bucks right but um but then there were things that were not and and basically I I didn't even need to follow it like before I started I had already stocked up on chocolate <laughs> So when it yes. so when it was time for my you know I had days where I'm like that's it I'm dragging absolutely dragging it's like all right I need a couple of squares of the deli. and um I didn't rush out and buy any new booze because I've got a a, a fairly decent stock so <laughs> but but instead I taught myself how to make a cosmo I had never made one before so um so it was still like a new thing for me. Was I, I learned how to make this drink and I squeezed all the limes myself every time I made it and it was fantastic. And um, there's a picture on on the Nano Rimo diary that I made of my first Cosmo and it's beautiful. And um, you know, so I think I think a little rewards like that get you there. And I'm, uh, you know, talking about being a visual person as far as learning how to tell story visually through television. I'm also visually motivated that the, the NaNoWriMo uh, website has this, these charts, <laughs> right. charts. Yay. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see my progress bars going up. My vertical bars were going up and going up and going up. And I finally, you know, caught up with everybody else. And then the day that I got over the, the average, I was like, Oh my God. Yes. But then there, there's also the color changes too. I was using Scrivener, and uh and also in the the Nano dashboard, uh, you have a progress bar right. that goes from like red, red to green, and he goes you know red, then orange and yellow and green. And I am so motivated, hungering for that damn green bar that you know my session target will be you know two thousand words. And I'll start writing, and at 72 words, I can just see the sliver of red. And I'm like, oh God, it's, it's attacking me. Oh, I can't stand it. I can't, it's a red. It's there. And keep going until it's orange. And then when it starts going like lime green, I'm like, okay, I'm so close. It's lime now. It's, it's, almost, it's almost Kelly Green. It's lime. And it's just uh, the visual, the stupid visual stimulation of the charts I'm had me going.
1: Um, I know that Elliot had posted pictures of she had a calendar that she would put star like gold stars on um, for hitting and writing achievements. And, and she was actually even able to chart from that when her best days and best times were and when her not so best days and times were. And the author V.E. Schwab, who wrote, um, well, a number of stuff, but uh, Vicious that I'm reading right now, which is really good. Um, she also has done a calendar where she she put stickers on for like smiley faces I think or stars or something for when she hits goals and and I think something visual like that is another you you have to be able to to reward yourself and and encourage yourself in in one way or another because um, it is a really weird thing to do and it can it can really uh, I mean it's Stephen Press. Things, thing a thing of uh, the war of art and, and that every time that you're writing, you're, you're going off to slay this dragon of self-doubt and, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. Um, and, and, and I think that that was something when I was younger that I always sort of thought would be like, oh, yeah, like being a writer is easy. Right. And it's totally not. Um, uh, right. Mostly because we just are, our, our brains make it difficult. Um, and and speaking of, of visual stuff, I also tend to be very inspired by visuals, um, not just in terms of watching movies and TV shows and getting story, but the visuals in them. And also, uh, like, my desktop wallpaper on my laptop that I'm looking at right now is a collage I made of comic book covers of comics that I read when I was a kid in the 70s that trigger something in my head of when I was a kid in elementary school and, and then middle school where I had very little, um, I wasn't self-conscious about what I wrote and drew. It just sort of came, I I just did it. it. I couldn't imagine not doing it. It was just something that I did. And the idea of worrying about if the art was good enough or the writing was good enough never even occurred to me and, and, and being original enough like it didn't matter if you were original um, I still have the I did a ton of comics um, five pages um, that I wrote and drew on notebook paper colored in with markers um, when I was in third grade and uh, sadly only one of them has survived but I still have it and the character is a total sort of rip-off mashup of Swamp Thing and the Hulk. Um, and, it, I mean, the stuff is entirely unoriginal, but I didn't care. It was all about just expressing yourself and and imitating stuff you loved and creating something new from that imitation, and um, which is really, really important. But as we get older we, we get more self conscious about it and we think like, oh, I have to be really original and it has to be really good. Um and it when you're when you're just doing it to do it, you you know, you can always go back you know, again, it goes back to first draft and revision and and not getting hung up on so I use a lot of visual things to stimulate that inner child to try and let him run loose and not care about, you know, am I totally ripping off like is this character the the first novel I did for for Nano um that that you know when I was in grad school I had these two characters that were complete and utter rip-offs of um gosh now I'm forgetting their names but the the two the two um henchmen of the the big bad in Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere um Utterly ripped them off, but then used them differently. Like they started as a ripoff, and then I completely changed them in the story. And I could mm-hmm. even see, like, if I did a revision of that, if I really cared about that story enough, which I don't. But if I cared about it, I could redo it and completely redo those characters so they're not such blatant ripoffs. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think you know it is sort of like rewarding yourself showing yourself your progress, being able to show other people. Um, I think the, the fact that you were like telling Andy, here's how many words I did. That's always a good way of sort of accountability for yourself um, and getting validation for it at the same time.
0: Uh, right. And uh, one of the things that I I did uh, as far as, like I said, useful tools for me was I was using Scrivener, but also um, I have HootSuite, hmm. which is, um, so I set up different Twitter streams, and I had uh, a stream for the hashtag #Nanorimo and a hashtag for #Nanorimo2014, and then one that was like writing quotes or something like okay. that because I love I love looking up quotes. So you know, again, it, it was it's sort of like a visual motivational thing. Was I'm uh, I'm not feeling great right now. I need something to tell me it's going to be okay right. and I'll go go over to Pinterest or Goodreads and Goodreads has a whole quote section that you can you can search and um and I just look up memes I mean it seems like so uh minuscule of a thing it it seems so shallow but uh, but it would get my my brain Searching and involved with words yeah. in some other in some other way. Honestly, whatever. So works, you know, you know. So if it was Twitter, and and the hashtag, following everybody else, seeing what everybody else was posting for the hashtag, and and not looking at my regular stream, you know, right. of noise, and you know, just trying to stay somehow focused on writing, but letting my mind do something else. And the most productive day that I had, like you were talking about, Ellie talking. About um, keeping a calendar of her her stars that she did great on, my best day was November 24th, and I don't I don't know why, hmm. but I had a hard time getting started. But it was also my longest blog post in my Nano diary. I'm I'm just because I have the diary all in one post. Okay. So people can, if anybody's interested, they can see like my chart updates, these charts that I'm talking about, and you can see how the graph changes. But November 24th i I don't know why, but I was like searching for podcasts to inspire me i you know i and I just kept writing, and that particular post came out so long and then that day, I wrote four thousand four hundred and sixty two words of the of the project right so it was like it was like the craziest best feeling exhausting day yeah. and uh, you know and I don't know why I don't know what made that day special at all it was a Monday I don't know I I don't know Um, like I said I don't have the same schedule as other people right now so it's all of my days blend together because they're all identical
1: although a psychologist did once tell me that even people that don't work regular nine to five Monday through Fridays still get the Sunday night blues and the Monday morning blues it's true it's really weird
0: it's definitely true. And because I'm very plugged in with Twitter, I, I see everybody else talking about that stuff and it's in my head anyway. Yeah. Um, but I'm, uh, like I said, I'm somewhere, I, you know, I even have my project open. I'm at 68,000 words. And my goal is 80 to, before I will go back and revise. Mm-hmm. So um, did you complete your story? I
1: did not. And, and in fact, well, part of it was um, my laptop, kind of broke down on me um about just like a week and a half before the month was over um and it it was another like stumbling block that really threw me um but but what's interesting is this was the first time in a long time that I started and I like I also like calling it a project because um calling it a novel at this point is especially because um, I also gave up writing in a linear way. Like I didn't start at the beginning and start going towards the end. I was writing all over the place, um, jumping back and forth. I sort of had this very loose idea of like what the overall story was, but I really had no idea of a plot. And I would write like character bits and bits of dialogue and just like come up with a scene that I'm like, okay, this is sometime later in the story. Um, and it was all based on whatever was, like, really drawing my interest at the time. So project is much more accurate than novel. Um, but this is the first time that I didn't get bored with it partway through. And, in fact, I'm still – it's it's begging to come out of my head. Um, and it's it's still um, really, really engaging me. And I, I'd like to take another month because I do – I work better with – oh, there's my cat being – Oh, that's
0: cool. Um there's a crash. Oh, <laughs> um, uh,
1: it's just my house burning down. Don't worry about it. Um I I I work better with the deadline. Um I I I realized that I need to approach this the way that I approached papers when I was an undergrad. Um like 95% of the papers I wrote in college, I wrote the morning they were due, and I would mm-hmm. get up frightfully early in the morning when, like way before dawn and walk to the computer main computer cluster on campus and sit down with a vague idea of I'm writing about this book, I'm writing about these two books or this story or this play, the vague idea of what it was going to be. Um, I, I should probably interject and say I'm a horrible academic, and this will this will show why. Um, I'd sit down with a vague idea of what I wanted to write about and maybe some words and phrases that I desperately wanted to incorporate just because they were writing around in my head at the time. Um And my papers were all basically based on I want to talk about this thing that I'm really excited about with these words and phrases and puns based off of them and imagery that I really like. And I'll quote from songs that I've been listening to lately. Um, And I I start with the middle and write sort of the body of it. And then I would go back and write the introduction and then I'd go back and write the conclusion. And I'd print that all off. At like I don't know six or seven in the morning and then go to my 1030 class and turn it in and I decided that I that probably works better for fiction (laughs) than it does for academia um and and so I've been trying to sort of approach it so I want to do another month on my own of cramming writing um because I I work better at that breakneck pace I work better with that deadline breathing down my neck Um, and, and really make a stab at finishing the first draft so that I can then go back and revise it. And I've even got a better idea of sort of what I want to do with it. Like this first stab at it, um, in November, even just like the character bits and little bits of plot and description that I was doing, something clicked in my head and I'm like, I know exactly what I want to do with this. Um, so yeah, like you, um, I mean, I didn't finish. But I, I, I need to keep going. Um, and that's the first time that this has happened. I can't remember the last time that that happened. Um, so it's really, really exciting for me.
0: I, I like having, having a deadline as well and getting, getting feedback down. When I had attended the, uh, a Mystery Writers of America workshop, a couple of the writers there had this breakneck pace also, and they maintained a very strict schedule. And it sounds an awful lot like Rymo mm-hmm. And Hank Phillippe Ryan was one of them. I know uh, Chuck doesn't necessarily keep like a hard – Course schedule, but I know that he spent like a certain number of months on Blackbirds. But when he did the sequel Mockingbird, it was like he did it in a month, mm-hmm. and and it was because the story was in his head and he knew exactly what he wanted to say. Right. So it can be done. And then somebody, um, because there's still a hashtag for NaNoWriMo on Twitter, uh, somebody had posted a link today that uh, the author whose last name is Ishiguru who wrote The Remains of the Day, right? Yeah did the exact same thing. He said, <laughs> I, he had this story that he started and never, ever, ever, ever finished beyond chapter one and was like, okay, time to stop fucking around and gave himself a schedule. And he gave like, he, he had like much longer days. they were like 10 hour days or something. Um, but he took, he said like a one hour lunch, a two hour dinner for a month straight to get his book done. hmm. And so, if if these best-selling professional authors like Hank Phillip Ryan can can do these things, and it's not called Nano then I don't know why there are authors out there that mock it as right. oh, you're, you're going to churn out garbage in a month. Because I was I was saying that as a naive person who didn't know any better, but these are
1: probably you know, the same same authors who look down on fanfic, uh, probably, and I don't and. Know. It, and I think they probably have this idea that everyone who's doing it, um, like, they they churn out a 50,000-word, and again, air quotes, novel, because, like you said, like, that's barely a novel, um, if it is even. Like, it's just shy of a novel. Um, but they, they, they churn this out, and then they self-publish it as is. And I really don't – like, maybe some people do that, but I don't know anybody who does that. I know some people yeah. that – have turned that project into a full-fledged novel. Um, I know that Ellie with her first, the first time she did Remo, she loved what she did so much that she spent some time editing it and like the following spring, released it as her first novel. Um, but she still like, and she took time to edit it and revise it and go over it. Um, she took not a huge amount of time, but sometimes you don't need a huge amount of time you know, depending and and you know, but of course there are some people who do that, but there's some people who do that anyway. And and Lord knows there are some published authors who are I think terrible, terrible writers. Um I mean, how many novel or how many novels with air quotes does Snooky have published by a legitimate yeah. so
0: Right, right, and uh, you know, and another thing is, is there are people like Delia Dawson out there? Um, is it Delia or Delilah? Uh, Delilah, uh, Delilah Del- 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 Dawson, yeah. who um, they offer discounts if you've um, if, if you've been working on a nanowrimo novel, then uh, they'll they'll go over like the first chapter, say, right. or the you know the first two thousand words or something for um, uh, you know a few hundred dollars of of proper editing to see if, you know, what they can give you, some sort of very thorough comprehensive editing. And I've seen a lot of other people chime in who are um, professional authors and editors with, I mean, they're pretty pricey. Some of them are over $1,000 to have professional editing done. And I would personally recommend that you do your own, like, pass-through re- revision process first before you even give it to somebody like that because that's a lot of money. Right. Um, and... Uh, you know, but I think that's a great opportunity and there are people that are recognizing and saying, um, okay, publishing has changed. We can self publish now. You don't, you know, I'm not going to have a heart attack over whether or not I can, I can agent this book. Right. You know, I'm just not going to put myself through that kind of stress. If it, if I get an agent fan friggin' tastic, but I, you know, it's, it's sort of like asking the prettiest girl to the prom. And, you know, (laughs) Uh, you know, it's it's just this courtship, and and I don't I don't have that. It's it, there's a lot of reputation at stake. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of commercialism. Is something sellable? Is it too commercial? Like my project that I'm working on is very commercial. It's a cozy mystery. There are a million of them on the bookshelves right, right now, and it's it's what I like to read. So it's what I wanted to write, but it's not going to stand out. Uh, Compared to some other cozy mystery, but it's going to fit in.
1: Right. Yeah. And
0: so, you know, I think, I, I think it's pretty cool that there are editors and, and um, agents out there who are not shirking this as yeah. like you know, you know, a, a, just a garbage info dump process because they're willing to help you take it beyond that and take it the next right. step.
1: That recognize that it's a first draft, and and something can be made of that. Uh, yeah. I also, I, I you talked about going to this mystery writer thing, and and you know, I, I live in Kansas City, which is not a tiny burg, but um, I'm very jealous of the fact that you you live somewhere where you get to go to more cool things than I have access to. <laughs> like you get to meet these authors, or you you get to meet porn stars and. I, well, that's
0: because I draw, I'm willing to like travel for two to three hours to do it though.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: don't I don't live by anything. I, two, to, two to three hours
1: for me is going to um, Lincoln, Nebraska, so <laughs> <laughs> um, or Des Moines, Iowa. So um, yeah, there's not like I think the probably the nearest really cool place is Chicago, which is like an eight hour drive, um, and I could I could you know go to more cool stuff that way, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I am very jealous that you, you, get to
0: yeah. I, it's a blessing and a curse to be smacked between Philadelphia and New York city, because like I said, I'm not near anything and I love my country life. I love being away from everything, but on the other hand, it does take me a considerable amount of time to get to, the, to these places. Mm-hmm. But then there are guys like Dwayne Swarzynski and Chuck Wendig who teach classes in New York city once in a while. If you can ever get, get to that sort of thing. Um, there, the Mystery Writers of America has a New York City chapter that covers uh, the Philadelphia area and New Jersey and Connecticut. So, um, you know, I'm, so I'm like, it's two hours to Philly, but it's, you know, it's certainly doable. And I got to, you know, see uh, some really great writers. Um, again, I, I blogged about it. Reed Coleman was, was there, mm-hmm. Reed Coleman and And um, he writes the uh, the Jesse Stone novels. So one day I marathons the Jesse Stone movies that are all on Netflix because I had Netflix. Um Wait, are
1: those with Tom Selleck? Yeah. Okay. I've seen those, and I'm like, should I put those in my queue? Because it's Tom Selleck. Yeah. He kind of kicked ass. Yeah, do it.
0: Yeah, you like Longmire, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then you have to watch the Jesse okay. Stone movies. Um, it's a bit more suburban than, you know, Assville, Bumblefuck, Wyoming that Longmire is in. <laughs> yes. But um but it's very it's very cool and the character is that sort of you know aggressive but you like like him kind of personality. Right. Like just but he's quiet. that quiet aggressive, just yes. like, I'm not gonna put up with your shit and you know yes. <laughs> and like that's just a bottom line, I'm not putting up with you. Bam. Yep. <laughs> Once again, that was part one of vodka o'clock with Josh Neff as my guest. And you can follow him on twitter at joshua m neff and you can follow me at elizabeth amber and be sure to come back for part two